This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Ah. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Welcome to SIP. Survive. And repeat. All right. Well, Great. here we are. It's another another week of us doing this. So yeah. we're, we're really good at repeating. It's good for us. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I love Woo! just scrambling. I love just scrambling to come up with my story because we did yes. two this week and full disclosure. Usually I'm not this much of a, I mean, I'm always a mess, but I'm never like right. this much a mess unless we have two in one week. <laughs> we did have two in one week. So here we are doing it again. And, um, well, first let's, let's talk real quick about our new partnership and then we can talk about our personal lives because I'm sure everyone's very intrigued by that. I'm sure they are. <laughs> uh, Magna Wine Boutique in beautiful Bedford, Ohio, um, has agreed to partner with us for all of our wine needs. So we're super excited to have them. Um, if you guys didn't listen to last week's episode, make sure you do because we talk about um, kind of how that came about and our wine tasting experience there. Um, and then me and Danelle are accidentally drinking the same bottle of wine. And we aren't even in the same room. So amazing. Um, so it's the Owl and the Dust Devil? Is that what it yes, is? Yes, that's okay. what it is. It's a red it's, blend. It's delicious. It's my favorite. So, I mean, I love all of them. Actually, the chocolate wine is my favorite, which we'll get to that. <laughs> we're saving that for when we're, we're – guys, we're going to start, I think, in two weeks, right? We're going to try to do it in I person so. together again, finally. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of saving that for that experience. That's a big deal. I'm excited yeah. to have Kenny, you guys back in my life. I'm excited to try them. Kenny, You're you love will it. not even believe this fucking wine that we're bringing to you. It is, it looks ridiculous and like we sh- it shouldn't be good. And then you taste it and it's magic. Like it's me magic and Nell, in your mouth. Like, how does it look ridiculous? It, it looks, looks gross. creamy. It looks creamy. It well, looks like, like something uh, you drink in college. Like it looks like a, I like don't know. Does it look like Bailey's? Yeah. Kind of, but like like a dark pinkish, Purple. light red. Interesting. Creamy mm-hmm. looking thing. And, and the label, they need to work on the label. Anyway, this, this chocolate wine, which we'll tell you the actual name of when we're in person drinking it together so you guys can check it out. Um, me, me and Danelle may or may not have just ordered ourselves a case of it from our <laughs> friends at Magna uh, so that we can split it and have, um, you know, six bottles each. <laughs> and then I said to Jenny, <laughs> and then I said to Jenny on the side, I'm like, because I'm so smart, I was like, do we have to like, refrigerate this if we buy it because I don't have enough room in my refrigerator for six bottles and she's like no you just store it in a cool dry place and then you refrigerate once you open it I'm like oh okay right I was, I was like that... don't be weird like don't be it's stupid, like beer dummy. it's like no it's like beer or white claw when you buy it in the store and it hasn't been refrigerated yet same z's like and I don't even know like I haven't refrigerated mine the, the one bottle I did have uh I just and maybe that's why I'm gonna die early but I just put ice in it and like, I like made it like a mixed drink, but yeah, anyway, it's a great sipper. Anyway, we're going on and on about something that uh, we're not yeah, even we talking about. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, wait, just wait for it. But anyway, we're both drinking the red blend today. Again, it's delicious. It's smooth. Um, it's, it's fruity, but it's not, it's dry. It's all those uh, things. I'm a professional so tester. Can you tell? We are professionals hold on one sec i was just i want to tell people the website so i'm just looking that up real quick uh if you guys want to check it out uh it's magna wine boutique so magna is m-a-g-n-a so um and it's in bedford ohio and i think if you follow them on instagram i'm pretty sure they just announced that they're going to be shipping um nationwide i think that came out today so uh, if you're interested in that, uh, make sure you check it out. We're going to get all of our ducks in a row um, with how it works for Sip Survive Repeat listeners. Um, so we'll have more information coming like in the next month or so um, for that. But if you can't wait and you want to get in on this, uh, magnawineboutique.com. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, that's all you Ram. need to say. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Kenny's getting a puppy in, a, in like a week, less than a week. Yeah, super pumped. When this comes out, a day after. Oh, oh my God. Ah. <laughs> uh, what kind of dog? Did we already talk about this? I feel like we didn't talk about it enough. Uh, Chocolate Labradoodle. 
Oh, it's a doodle. It's gonna be yeah. so freaking cute. Well, you sent us the puppy puppy pictures. Mm-hmm. I thought I sent you... Did I send you the most recent ones? Here, we'll get a live reaction. I'll send you the last ones I got from them. Okay. A live reaction. Live reaction to the puppy. <laughs> Do you have a name oh picked out? We have a name. Its name's okay. gonna be Bodie. Bodie, that's oh. right. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, it came through. Look- oh my god, Kenny. Oh my god. Seriously. And then, and then Jenny and Danelle stole your dog. Do you think <laughs> do you think you could bring him over when you come over to record? Or do you think he would be afraid of Callie? Oh, I could do that. I mean I mean you could easily outrun Callie, I'm assuming. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She would just she's gonna want to sniff him and slobber on him, but he's so cute. It's your first baby. I, know, I can't wait for him. Oh my god, so cute. Oh. Okay. Oh my god. Well, what okay. else is going on? Uh, I am weirdly. I keep waking up in the middle of the night, and so I'm just like weirdly tired. And I think part of that is Declan keeps deciding he also wants to wake up in the middle of the night and get in bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably it. Have you guys ever tried to sleep with a four year old? Because it is a situation. Like I get kicked Can't in the back. I no, I. Like- I- Feel like it he, would be weird if I did because I don't have kids. Oh, yeah, valid point. Both of you probably shouldn't try and sleep with four kids. Um, <laughs> but he he like it's so cute, but it's also like, but he he like he'll be asleep and he just like grabs my arm and is like hugging it, and I'm like, oh look how cute. But now I can't move, so I'm fucked. So then I just start sweating and then I get uncomfortable and I feel like everything needs to like crack and move and I can't because there's a child attached to me and I'm just like. So, um, that's, that's probably like, why you're not getting any sleep. I mean, yeah. So I'm usually up, like, let's say if it's because of Declan somewhere around four or five o'clock in the morning, he'll sneak down and get in bed and I'll fall back asleep at some point. But I'm usually awake for at least like an hour just being like, like freaking out and sweating and pretend like not pretending, <laughs> but being uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> ah, what do I do? And I could just take him up to bed, but he's so against it. Like, when I take him, he just, like, starts crying, and he's so upset with me, and I'm just like, oh. Rip I my heart out. You. I mean, I give parents just so many, so much credit, because I would just be like, I don't have the patience for it, which is why I don't have children, so. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so that's what's going on here, and um, let's see. My dogs are all still alive, even though they're old. Well, three of them are old as all get out, uh, They and they're not as cute as a puppy, but they're little so there's that oh well, yeah That's you got, got that going for you i mean nothing <laughs> my life is so boring like we've got nothing going on Callie's mm-hmm. doing great after her acl surgery Good. um mo the cat that is 10 that we adopted we think he's 10 we're not really sure um their big thing is they they now play with each other the two of them Oh my God. Hilarious. Callie will get like really low and go after Mo and he will run around like they'll chase each other. And then the one day Callie like stepped on his tail and all I heard was this. But then in the middle of the night, Mo will come in and like walk on her and like step on her and lay on her. And she just is snoring. Like it's just a whole like love hate relationship that I love to watch unfold. Mm. Um, That's really the highlight of my day. Those are the highlight of my days to watch the the relationship between my dog and cat. Ah, <laughs> uh, super exciting life. Quarantine yeah. life. We're not it's going anywhere. We're just kind of like laying low. I would love to do like some kind of vacay, but it's just not going to happen right now. So yeah, yeah. So just, here we are. So here we are, just talking about survival stories. Like yeah, we're all just surviving quarantine. Right. Magic. Um. Oh, my feet still hurt. That's there's the update there. If anyone was really concerned about my foot problems, which I'm sure you all are, uh, I bought Birkenstocks and they are kind of maybe helping, but it's not at a speed or rate that I find acceptable. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Okay, um, but my friend Connie told me about um, a different kind of sandal that she really likes, like. OBs or OGs or uh, anyway on Amazon I think you can get them on Amazon but they're like little flip-flops and I tried on hers uh the other day and they were very comfortable and they did feel like they had nice arch support so anyway anyone have any tips on great shoes 
I'm, I'm open to suggestions. You know, my mom just went to Lucky Shoes up here in Cleveland. I think they're, mm. I think it's like a national store, but there's like franchises here in Cleveland and in Canton. Yeah. And, um, she, cause she's been having some foot pain as well. And she's had a wonderful experience. So maybe you should check out Lucky's in Westlake. Interesting. Okay. To get fitted. Okay. okay. That, that could happen. Just, just a thought. Just throwing okay. it out there. Okay. I love it. I love it. Um, should we talk about survival stories? Let's do it. Okay. Is yours really, I know you have a 911 call coming. I, so, I have a 911 call. I think mine's not like too bad. I mean, it's bad, but it's not like the one I was going to, to do people. Jenny already did it. And as I was like watching the <laughs> documentary, I was like, this is oddly familiar. And then I texted them and Jenny was like, oh yeah, I totally did that one. I'm like, damn it. Well, because so. she has a very different name. Like, yeah, as soon as you totally. text name, I knew. And it's a horrifying story, too. So That as well. Yes, that um, as well. But, but yeah, um, I can, I mean, how is yours? Is yours pretty? It's not gruesome. It's just, uh, it's like a little true crimey, but then also like a little outdoor survival situation. So, okay. yeah, I mean, whatever. I can go first, whatever. Okay, just go okay. So this is the survival story of Gina Edwards, and I got this from the ID Discovery Channel mm. and also some random articles, which I am not happy about when you're like these particular websites I went to. They were like newspaper websites. They made you answer a like survey question before mm. you could read the content about mm-hmm. um Mine in particular was about candy bars for some reason. <laughs> oh. And I was like, I don't even, so I kept like clicking off the page. Cause I'm like, I'm not answering these. I'm not going to do this. And then finally I just had to break down and do it. So what um, did it ask you? Like what your favorite candy bar is? It asked me if I knew these certain, like, uh, which they listed like five candies and which of them were the most familiar. And it was like mm. stupid ones, like, like, um, sweet tarts and crap like that. And I just put, I don't know was my answer. That was nice. an option. So nice. I was like, you're not getting my information. I'm not telling you. Anyway, nice. I broke down and did it. So uh, back to Gina. So Gina Edwards uh, is 21 years old. And this takes place, place back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And she, I'm not really sure where the town is that she's from. It's either North Carolina or Tennessee because I Googled the town from the documentary and both those places had a town named this. So we're either, <laughs> either North Carolina or Tennessee, one of those two, but it doesn't really matter. It's in the so South. It's in, it's the, in South. the South. Right. Cause they had accents and everything it was great. Great. So Ooh, um, I love accents. <laughs> she is very close to her aunt Vicky and her cousin, which is, would be Vicky's daughter, Chelsea or Chelsea. And, um, her, <laughs> yeah. wait, did you just say Chelsea? I did. I did. <laughs> you guys, I'm on my second glass of wine. Sorry, I love it. That was amazing. Can I call her Chelsea throughout this, please? Yeah. Actually, I don't want to disrespect her because she no. Oh, is okay. Not the survivor in the story. So. Oh, okay. So you, if you could work the name. word crevasse into the story, though, <laughs> thank you. She was and not the crevasse. <laughs> okay, great. Her daughter Chelsea. Mm. <laughs> okay. So her aunt Vicky, like I said, who she's very close with, has a new man in her life at this time. Mm. And his his name is Stephen Buckner. Mm. And life seemed to be going pretty well for, for Vicky and her new man. They were dating for a couple months and you know, Gina was really happy for them. They moved in together and all is great, whatever. She goes over to her aunt's a lot, then she was going over to Stephen's a lot to visit, whatever. Um, after a few months though. After they moved in together, Gina noticed some red flags when her aunt moved in with Stephen. So here are some examples of the red flags that she noticed. He, she would find him going through her purse to count Uh-oh. her money. No. Like, I'm sorry. Do not count my money. Do not go through my purse. In fact, whenever I ask Todd to go through my purse to get something, he doesn't even want to go there. He's like, mm. I don't just go get it because I don't even know what's in there. I'm going to pull out something weird like um, lipstick from 10 years ago or lip gloss that's like leaking all over the place, whatever. So um, I, I just feel like a guy shouldn't, a man shouldn't go through your, or want to go through your purse, right? I don't know. Correct. Correct. Um, so he would go through her purse and count her money. 
He would also check her mileage on her car and fill up her gas tank, like try to do like a nice gesture, like fill up her gas tank, but only fill up a certain amount so she could go like to and from work. Like he wouldn't fill up her tank all the way. He'd fill it up like a quarter of a tank. Like, don't be a dick. Just fill it up. Um, Super weird. And she (sighs) said whenever she would always go over to their house, it was Steve's house and Vicky had moved into it. So whenever she would go over, whenever Gina would go over to the house, she said it always felt like cold and dark, just not very welcoming, like when you would visit someone's house typically. Um, So Gina confronted her aunt and just said, you know, this is weird. Like, I'm worried about you. Like, are you happy? What's going on? And her aunt's you know, realized that things were, were strange. And I'm sure there was some emotional abuse going on as well. So uh, Gina and her aunt came up with a plan for them to secretly find an apartment for her to rent and, um, and to move out. But she wasn't going to tell Steve and her boyfriend. She was doing this all in like the down low. Mm. But, but that Steven, he was a sly little sucker. And he caught on very quickly that uh, Vicky was planning on moving out. And, uh, Gina thinks that this was obviously his breaking point because he would get off on like controlling her every move and now she's leaving him. So he's going to not only lose her, but lose all this control too. Mm. Um, so one night or one morning, actually they were all over at Steven and uh, Vicky's house. So it was Gina, our survival story person here and Vicky, Steven, and then Steven's daughter. And then also uh, Gina's cousin, Chelsea. Or Chelsea. Um, Crevasse. Sorry. Crevasse. <laughs> her name it's was actually, Crevasse. Her actually, actually, her name is Chelsea Crevasse. Okay. Perfect. Um, an argument broke out between uh, her aunt and Stephen about moving out. So he basically confronts her in front of all these people. And they start going back and forth. And Stephen pulls out a gun. Because no, who just carries a gun in their pants pocket? This guy does. Stephen. Um, so, uh, Vicky was like, Steven, put the gun away, blah, 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 blah. He shoots her point blank. Just boom. Mm. And then his daughter jumps in and is freaking out and he shoots her, kills her, um, on his own daughter. So both are laying on the ground in front of Gina and her cousin, Chelsea. And they're just like standing there like, what the fuck just happened? Um, Gina's aunt wasn't moving. Her lips were turning blue and she knew that she was dead at that point. And there was just blood everywhere. Um, so Gina and Chelsea are standing next to each other and Steven is facing them. And Chelsea has her flip phone behind her back because it's 2008 and that's what you have. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to secretly call 911. Mm. So she's dialing it so they could hear what's going on. And, um, Steven is pointing the gun at both of them. And Gina so bravely looks at Chelsea and says, run. Like I got like, I'll take a bullet for you. Like, go get out of here. So Chelsea takes off and runs to her bedroom and Steven goes to go after her. And Gina says, I'm over here. You want me, not her. So Steven turns back around and shoots uh, Gina in the arm. And so she falls to the ground and she's laying underneath like the kitchen table or something. And she knew the only thing she had to do to survive this, not the only thing she had to do, but she was going to play dead. And otherwise he would have kept shooting her. So she falls to the ground under the table and she's just laying there and she could see his feet just standing there staring at her. And so she's holding her breath. So wait, his his feet had eyes. Well, no, no. (laughs) she knew he was like staring at her Uh because she could see his feet still there. Like he was watching her. And, um, I mean, she's 21 years old and to have this wherewithal and to know Mm -hmm. this survival skill is just unbelievable to me. And she wasn't freaking out. So she literally held her breath for like a minute while he stood there and just stood over her body. Um, He starts to walk away and um, she jumps up as soon as she hears him that he's not in the room anymore. And she takes off. She books it out of the house. And it's so chilling when you see when we post the pictures uh, Jenny, I'll send you pictures. The kitchen of the crime scene, there's like hundreds of shell casings oh God. all over the floor. Like he must have shot like hundreds of times and there's like blood splattered. And it just would be a really like telling the story doesn't quite do it justice um, until you see the pictures because it's just very chilling. Um, so as she she books it out of the house, uh, Gina, and as she's 
crossing her yard, she passes by Chelsea's window. Uh-oh. And she hears Chelsea's last words yelling at Steve. And she says, Steve, no Steve. And then gunshots go off. So she knows that her cousin that she just tried to save was just killed too. Mm. So she makes it safely to her neighbor's house. And um, during this time, 911, the 911 dispatchers actually call Steven back. They call the landline based off of his daughter's phone call or her cousin's phone call that she had secretly called behind her back. And the 911 call that I want to play, it's just, there's nothing earth shattering in it. It's just so chilling how calm he is. And I think it's just important to hear that, like how this person can turn it on and off so quickly. So Kenny's Mm going to play this. And I just want you to hear like, how so this is the 911 people calling him and he answers the landline and just hear how like cold and calm this person is so we're going to play this uh, all right it's the 911 center who's this uh, no it's, it's, it's okay now who is this it's Steve Buckner Steve Buckner uh-huh what's going on Steve oh nothing nothing's going on there that's right Okay, what happened? Who was that screaming? So they call him back. Did you, could you hear that or should I replay? Yeah. No, no, no. I heard it. He's so calm in it. Hold on. I'm putting my hand on him. And I think it just shows like. Can you hear me? Yeah. I think it just shows like what a psychopath he is. So they're calling him back and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, nothing's wrong. Like nothing to see here. Nothing just happened. I just murdered three people. I shot four people and killed three of them. And he's just like calm, cool, collect. Disgusting. Um, So after the police call him and he ends up hanging up on them, as you guys heard, the police arrive to Stephen's house. And Gina hears a bunch of gunshots from the neighbor's house that she's hiding out in at this point. And what had happened was the police arrived to the house. Stephen opens up the garage door and starts open firing on the police. Oh, and just not. That's not what you should do Just when the police arrive. to gun them down, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he actually hits one of the officers. He doesn't <gasps> kill them, but he does hit one of them. And then they start firing back. It's a big back-and-forth fire brigade. And then he closes the garage door. And Gina thinks to this day that he did that in, in the hopes that the police would kill him. So he wouldn't have to, like, go to jail or face sentencing or anything like that. But... The police did shoot him, but they shot him in the leg, thankfully. Yeah, they did. So he, they didn't kill him, so which is great. Mm. Um, so she is, again, thankful that he survived just to pay for his crime for killing her aunt yes. and her cousin and then his daughter as well. And then in 2010, he was found guilty of murder, attempted murder and assault of a police officer, and he received two death sentences. <gasps> Strap him and zap him, baby. Strap him and zap him, baby. So he is still serving time. Mm -hmm. And um, after the fact, Gina really had a hard time, obviously, dealing with things. It it sounds like this was a small town. And Mm -hmm. she said anytime she would go to the grocery store, she was known as, you know, the lone survivor is what they they tagged Mm -hmm. her as. And she said not only did she feel alone, but that, that tag made her feel uneasy and everybody wanted to talk to her about it. And that, that was her, like, that's who she became and she hated it. So she packed up her shit one day and moved out of town and she started completely over and, um, she met a guy and she has two beautiful daughters at this point and her life is really great. And she's, um, living her best life in a new town and, um, has a fresh start essentially. And so that is the story of Gina Edwards. And uh, one other quick takeaway is, Um, that she mentioned in the interview is that her biggest takeaway of this is to know how to respond when you're in a situation like that, like playing dead saved her life and always also notice the red flags that um, it always starts out small and then gradually Mm. escalates. And she wished her aunt would have noticed it earlier and she wished she would have noticed it earlier or said something earlier as well. So um, we all have those people that have been in our lives or are in our lives and we notice like, l- you know, little weird things about them. But if it escalates over time, <sighs> you know, you have a voice, say something, get out of the situation, call for help, do whatever you need to do. So that is the story of Gina Edwards. Nice. I can't believe that she, I, that's, 
I feel like that's always hard if you're in a tr- like a tragic situation and you're the survivor. Like whether it be something like this or a plane crash or like a, some sort of accident and like you're the only one who survives, like there's a lot of guilt that goes along with that. Yeah. And also general. being young and being young yeah. and having to, you know, live with that and and knowing that she tried to save her cousin who they were, you know, they were so close and she tried to mm-hmm. save her life and it's still, I'm sure she still replays in her mind. Like, you know, what if I would have done this or what if I would have done that? And so, so yeah, crazy. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, excellent work. Thanks. Uh, I am doing the survival story of one Ricky McGee. Oh, <laughs> I Ricky just really, McGee. I just feel like I call everyone like, I don't know, something McGee. McGee. I know. Yeah. So when I saw this name, I was like, well, this is kind of calling to me. And at first I wasn't sure if there was enough info. Like you mentioned last uh, episode, it is hard. Sometimes you find like a cool story, but then if you can't find enough information to like tell the story, it becomes challenging. Yes. Um, so the first, uh, he was like part of a list of like crazy survival stories And so it was just like a couple paragraphs and I was like, I wonder if there's more out there and everything else I found was just like very short tales of this. But then I found this um, and it was an article with a woman named Sophia Money Coutts or Coots. Not sure. These last names in this story are great. Her her last name is Crevasse. Or Chelsea. (laughs) Her name is Chelsea Crevasse. And... (laughs) She she meets with Mick, Ricky McGee. I almost called him Mickey McGee. Wouldn't that be a funny name? Uh, no, Ricky McGee. Uh, and she wanted to talk to the man who survived 70. 70 sorry, this wine, mm, I think, might have a high mm-hmm, alcohol content. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. Uh, okay, good. Um, I'm like, why can't I talk? Ah. Um, Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. That's aren't you supposed to do stuff like that. Isn't that <laughs> no, that's what you're supposed to do to like exercise your mouth? I mean, I, I don't. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So she goes, uh, her name actually is Sophia Money Couts, we'll go with. And um, she went to interview Ricky McGee because he survived 71 days in Australia's inhospitable Northern Territory. Oh. So, um, and there was, the reason that he did is interesting. Uh, it wasn't just because he was like out there trying to be like camper McGee <laughs> or like mountain man McGee. No, no. He was just trying to be Ricky McGee and he was actually driving in a car like a normal person. So, um, <laughs> it was 2006 and, um, let's see. Um, he went out in his car and, um, it was, hold on, sorry. This is like the beginning of the article is a little bit like jumbled. So it's hard to tell. Um, yeah. Like it starts, does it start off with like a, um, it doesn't like dive into a suit. Yeah. It goes kind of like into a, a mini flashback and then, okay. So anyway, um, but his story made, uh, headlines because people said that there needed to be more policing of the Northern Territory of Australia um, because people like Peter Falcon Falconio, Peter Crevasse uh, was <laughs> murdered in, two- in 2001. So like okay. there were like bad things happening because there wasn't enough um, policing going on in this um, territory. Um, so Peter Falconio was murdered in 2001. Now we're in 2006 And McGee actually, after his experience of being in the Northern Territory for 71 days alone, uh, wrote a book called Left for Dead. So, um, and that chronicles his experience. Um, Okay, so when this all happened, um, McGee was very mad because no one knew who he was. He was just dubbed the mystery man. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he finally agreed to meet with a reporter for lunch. And... um, he ended up being really close friends with this reporter and they ended up living together for six months. What? It was not, it was not sexual. Okay. At least. Okay. It might've been, I don't know. It should have been maybe. I mean, maybe not. I don't know if McGee is 
uh, you know, likes the men. But it was a, a male oh, yeah, you never reporter, know. and he's male. So, I mean, it, I'm not saying it wasn't. It just says they lived together for six months. So, uh, this reporter, his name was McLean. He interviewed um, McGee for the book, uh, Left for Dead. And um, let's see. Here comes the story. All right. McGee was driving through the Northern Territory of Australia, which I guess that's like a well-known place. I'm just like, you mean like North Australia? Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. Um, It was January 2006. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he was driving along something called the Buchanan Highway. And um, three men actually flagged him down because they had run out of what we call in the United States gas, what they call petrol. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I actually just watched a comedian and she brought up a very valid point. Uh, She said she doesn't understand why Americans call it gas because gas is a liquid. Um, No, gas is a... I'm like, wait. No, gas, gas is, is a gas. Is a gas. Oh my god, Kenny, this wine Kenny. is strong. <laughs> okay, that's why I gas. said Chelsea. Okay, it's the wine's <laughs> fault. Was All it right. Celeste Barber? Is that who you're watching? Is it? Is she Canadian? Australian? And yeah. She wears like a suit. Oh uh, no, not her. Okay, no, there. It's this woman, Sidebar. and she's she's like really funny, but she she also has like serious parts to her comic act. Like I don't know. It's and I'll find the name. I will let you guys know what it is. Um, anyway, so they ran out of petrol, which makes more sense because petrol is petroleum, which is the liquid you put in your car. Gas Mm -hmm. is a gas and you don't put gas in your car, but that's what we call it because we're Americans and we're dumb. Right. Anywho. Um, so McGee allowed one of these men to come in the car, uh, so he could drive them towards like a service station to get more petrol. Um, and when he let this guy in the car, he gave him um, some of his, like, water bottle or whatever he had to drink. Uh, the guy finished it, so he reached into the back seat of McGee's car and grabbed another one and handed it to McGee. Because he was like, oh, sorry, I finished your drink. Here's a new one. Well, McGee says, quote-unquote, he slipped something in it. I had a few oh. mouthfuls, and I started to pass out. Uh-oh. So that ain't this- good. The guy that he put in his car grabbed the steering wheel, mm. and they actually careened off the road. Aggressive, as Jenny right? would say. Very aggressive. I was like, oh, okay. Um, McGee was fighting for the wheel, but he couldn't stay conscious. So I don't know what kind of roofie he got, but apparently it worked real fast. Um, and then McGee said, I could hear voices nearby. I jumped into the driver's side, sort of half conscious, and I tried to pull off, but someone jumped onto the back of the car. Um, and he said that they tried, he tried to shake the guy off the back of the car, like, you know, action movie style. Uh, but the guy wouldn't do it. Um, like he wouldn't fall off and he smashed the back window out and started, he started punching the shit out of Ricky McGee. Mm -hmm. So at this point, the car ended up down in a ravine and got stuck and McGee passed out completely. Um, he said he drifted in and out of consciousness and he remembers that there were figures around him, um, like the men that were out of quote unquote petrol. And, um, he, he woke up and he told them, I'm so thirsty. You can take my car. I don't care. Just give me some water. Um, so he, Ricky McGee said, um, since this incident, he said he actually found out that there are people in that area who take advantage of, like, tourists and other people who may not know how dangerous it can be. And he said um, there are people who live out in that area, and they pay other people to rob cars and steal passports and money. Um, oh, they're like gypsies, kind of, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And then um, McGee said people don't realize what a passport is worth nowadays. You can take someone's whole identity. So, very, I mean, very true. Yes. It has all your information, your picture, everything. I mean, and you lose that. You don't leave the country. It's Yeah, exactly. So um, McGee woke up the next day. He had no shoes, no socks, and then obviously no service. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this wine is great. I just, just took a gulp of wine and I almost <laughs> spit it out of my bed. <laughs> okay. Uh, he said... <laughs> He woke up, and guess what he woke up in? 
<laughs> I can't. I don't know. A what? shallow grave. A shallow. Jesus. Motherfucking grave. And like, thankfully, they didn't like put dirt on top of it. They like dug a hole, stuck them in it, and put a tarp on top of it. What a bunch of lazy asses, right? It's like we dug the hole, but we don't want to fill it. Back We're in. done. We're um. Done. So all he had was his t-shirt, his shorts, his car keys. So they didn't take the car, I think, because it was in a ravine. Uh, he had fourteen dollars and fifty cents. He, he, I'm sorry, yes, his car was in a crevasse. Uh, he had his car keys, and then he had $14.50 and a mobile phone with no battery power. Oh, so, God. again, no shoes, no socks, no service. Uh, <laughs> but he did have a shirt. That's the actual saying. But anyway, um, he felt very lucky to be alive, though, and um, he didn't know it at that point, but he still faced 10 weeks in this area. Jesus. And I'm imagining it's obviously hot, the desert. Yes. Uh, so brutal. The, descri- the description in the, in the article is, it's an arid wasteland the size of France, Italy, and Spain combined. What? Mm-hmm. So apparently you don't want to be out in North Australia just fucking around. That's why they didn't cover the grave, because they're like, he's not going to, like... Like, he's going to die. He's going to yeah, die. Yeah, he said a couple times, he's like, I knew I wasn't supposed to be alive, but... right. Right. I was. Um, he said uh, he tried to get up and he almost fell over because he was still so like disoriented from whatever they gave him. Uh, he said, I started looking for a road, but I was very disoriented. Um, he found out later that he had been dumped 30 kilometers from the road and his bogged car. I don't, I should have looked up how many miles that is for the American folks listening, but I didn't. So go with 30 kilometers. And temperatures were over 40 degrees Celsius. So apparently that is hot. So figure out kilometers and Celsius. It's 18 you miles. It's about 18 miles. Okay. What yeah. about the 40 degrees Celsius? Kenny, that's you. Oh, no. <laughs> you just have to you just have to add. Never Thanks, mind. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go through it real quick. I'll let you know in a couple seconds. Continue. Great. So 20 miles essentially and yeah. I'm and something degrees. No, I think it's or hot. Hot. I mean, hot. What? What? 104 degrees. Gross. Yeah. So it's a, it's an arid wasteland to be sure. Listen, um, I like a cool 80 degrees. I'm comfortable. No, but 104. That's not cool. No, thank you. I like a cool 65. I know. We can keep everything at 65. Oh. I love it. Okay. His we immediate need was roommates. Okay. Sorry. No. Go ahead. His immediate need was for water, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. Uh, he he tried to hold out until the following day, and when he still couldn't find water, he decided he had to do what he had to do, so he drank his own urine. Yep, that's mm-hmm. right. So um, he then had to figure out what the heck he was going to eat while he was out there. Um, he didn't eat until the fifth day of being out there. Oh and he said God. at that point, because it was so dry, he said there was just grass and, like, small insects. There wasn't much else for him to eat. I mean, I can't even go. I mean, I tried to do that three-day cleanse. I made mm, it two and a half remember? days. And that's what, that's what, like, juices every two hours. Can you right. imagine just not eating for five? I can't even not eat for, like, two, like, three hours. And I'm uh, raiding the cupboards. Right. right, right. Yeah, yesterday I got to the barn and my stomach was growling. I'm like, I had lasagna for lunch. Like, this shouldn't be <laughs> a situation. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so he spent several days walking, and again, remember, he doesn't have any shoes because they fucking took his shoes. So he's walking in bare feet. Mm. The burns. So, okay. ouch. Uh, he was trying to drink rainwater, and he was trying to, again, find, like, a road or, like, some sign of civilization so he can get out. Um, he did find an abandoned dam, and I don't know if that was built by beavers or people. I mean, I guess beavers, but... Great. Uh, so... This at least meant that the water supply would be greater and that the food options would be better. And when I say better, instead of eating grass and little bugs, he could eat lizards, leeches, grasshoppers, and little flowers. Mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an anecdote here about him eating some bugs. He said, quote unquote, the cockroach was disgusting. I didn't even really eat it. Ugh. I put it on my mouth, bit down, and spat it back out. You know that that's so gross if you're starving to death and you still spit it out, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he said that he said the taste stayed in his mouth for two days. Oh, I hate cockroaches. I've only seen two in my life, and Ugh. they're just Ugh. so ugly. Ugh. 
Ugh. Mm-mm. Okay, so he stayed at the dam for about nine days because he wanted to let his feet recover from all the walking because they were like a jacked up mess. So you you know, you want to let that heal so you can get back out there. Um, but while he was there for those nine days, he heard planes in the distance. So he was like, okay, I got to move on because obviously there's something somewhere. If I'm hearing airplanes, people have to be doing something. Yeah. So he, he walked for another two days and he said he would pass out frequently because of heat exhaustion and dehydration. Um, and then before uh, the third day, he actually reached another bigger dam and it was full of clean water and it had tons of insects for him to eat. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Yummy. Mm-mm. He stayed there for six or seven weeks. Mm-mm. Weeks. Mm-hmm. And he lived in something called, are you ready for this? A humpy. A what? A humpy. H-U-M-P-Y. Like, I'm, my dog's going to give you a little leg humpy. What is that? Well, I'm glad you asked to know. <laughs> it is a Wait, small... Wait, you, break... you broke up. Wait, oh, I sorry. didn't hear you. I said, I'm glad you asked to know. Oh, right on cue. <laughs> Okay. We pl- guys, we plan that. Just kidding. That's right. Um, it's a small shelter constructed from a steel uh, fed through. Um, oh, wait. This is not very good at English. It's a small shelter constructed from steel and mud. So apparently he took steel. I don't know where he's getting that from. Maybe it was a man-made dam this time and he was using it steel from that. It must be a man-made dam. Yeah. Anyway, he used that and some mud, you know, and made himself a little hut. He's also just, known he's as just breaking a off, humpy. He's just breaking off steel from the man-made dam. I like that we're like yeah, making we're up just, the story in our we're own just mind. Fucking assuming things. It's fine. <laughs> um, he said he, it was very difficult to keep track of days. I was like, uh, obviously. I mean, we're in quarantine and I can't keep track of what day it is because and I have clocks and like calendars and I work every yeah. day. I have I'm no idea most days. Mm-mm. Um so it was April 4th. Oh, he thought it was April 4th. It was really April 14th. Now, remember, this all started back in January 2006. Um, so he, at this point, um, when he was found, um, hold on. Sorry. I just lost my place. Wait, this okay. is back in 2006, you said, right? 2006, yeah. Okay. So he, he was found in April, April 14th. Um, but he said it was really hard to pass time. He said everything was such a, like an effort to go get food, to go get water. Um, he said he, he would rewatch Simpsons episodes in his head. I'm like, damn Gina, how many Simpsons episodes were you watching? That's a lot of Simpsons. I don't know that Mm -hmm. I would, I mean, that must've been obviously a favorite show of his, but what would you watch in your head? Probably Law and Order SVU, which is an inappropriate show to watch while you're in the wilderness. But yeah, for sure, it would have to but, be a recent show. Like I've been watching Ozarks. I'd probably like replay that, which is very dreary and not mm-hmm. uplifting. But okay, right. Um, okay, so everything took a, a super effort because he was just like so he was getting so emaciated and so dehydrated. He said he thought about his friends and family, and he kept thinking about when he might be found. Um, he said every day he thought he'd be found. And in the last three or four weeks, he said he completely gave up hope. <laughs> like, oh, I was going to say, at least he has hope. Uh, nope. So much. Um, let's see. It's, he said his family didn't know he was missing for a while because obviously they knew he was traveling through Australia, but they didn't know, like, how long. Like, he's a grown adult. Um, he said it was about six weeks after he left that his sister started to get worried and asking questions. Okay, I'm not family shaming or anything like that, but six weeks is a long... Maybe he wasn't close to his family, but, like, I feel like if I... If Todd and I went somewhere, or even if I went somewhere, for, and after two weeks, I feel like... I don't know, six weeks is a long time. Agreed. But, I also feel like I would... I would just never go somewhere and be like, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to be home. Yeah, so maybe that's just not the lifestyle we live, so we can't relate, but... Yeah. Um. So the police at that point said that he could be anywhere in a 2,000-mile radius, so they wouldn't Ooh. even know where to look. Great. So, um, but good news, on the 71st day of him being stranded, he heard a car from his humpy. 
<laughs> so there were two station hands, and when they say station hands, I have no idea what they're talking about. I assume some Probably sort rangers. of farm farm workers. Oh, you said rangers, I said farm workers. We'll find out. <laughs> um they were on a routine drive of the land, so probably rangers. And um, they found McGee, and he uh, he was rescued. So uh, his quote was, I was so excited, I kept touching them to see if they were real. I'm like, I bet that was comfortable for everyone in the car. Um, <laughs> saying um, his weight had fallen from 105 to 45 kilograms. I looked this one up. 105 kilograms is where he started. That was 231 pounds. Okay. 45 kilograms is 99 pounds. Jesus. So, wow. uh, when they found him, and and (laughs) (laughs) it was called the bug cleanse, the bug and urine (laughs) cleanse. You just drink your own urine and eat bugs and frogs. Disgusting. Um, So, anyway, so a lot of people at that point, there were pictures that went out like in the media of him, and they called him, I think, Skeleton Man or something like that. I'm like, you guys. How about like Skeletor or something like, let's be, let's be creative. Um, but whatever, Skeleton Man. Um, he had to go into the hospital for three weeks where they put him on a strict diet. And I assume when they say strict diet, they mean heavy calories, not oh, the opposite. Like, yeah, like biscuits and gravy. <laughs> right. Like but they probably had to ease the- him into it. Because like, oh, if you yeah. haven't eaten in a long time, you can't just like fucking eat chocolate I mean, milkshakes. Listen, when I ended my cleanse, my two and a half day cleanse... Mm-hmm. not comparable to a 71 day cleanse However, right. you have to be careful with what you eat so i can imagine his stomach was just jacked up mm-hmm. big time. yeah uh and then there was more trouble to be had because when mcgee told the police what had happened they didn't believe him oh my god i love people they're so amazing um so interestingly enough uh, after this whole thing and he was in the hospital, McGee actually spoke with a couple of psychiatrists. Um, so Dr. Len Notaris, he stated that McGee's body had undergone severe strain. I'm like, yeah, you think? <laughs> um, his quote was, I couldn't swear that Ricky's story is true, but I couldn't deny it either. So he was kind of just like, something happened, we don't know what. Then another doctor, Dr. David Welch, he was more convinced. His quote was, after treating Ricky and speaking with him, I have no doubts he spent a long time in extreme circumstances. Knowing this, I find it strange that some people are skeptical of his story. Um, so the suspicion and media controversy over whether this really happened or not was like taking over instead of it being about like this man who survived 71 days in the Northern Territory of Australia. It was this man like fucking made this story up and is just like an attention seeking, you know, whatever. Um, at this point, uh, McGee has um, moved to Dubai and is working for a construction company. And he said the fact that people don't believe his story doesn't really bother him anymore. Um, he said he just hopes that if one person reads it and they're driving through the Northern Territory and someone tries to flag them down, maybe they'll reconsider stopping because you know who knows his story, if his story is true like i mean it, i believe it could it. save a life yeah yeah who like makes just that don't... Shit up? and who wants to, who you couldn't do a cleanse for two and a half days right i mean you did for two and a half days you couldn't do it for three I he did it for 71 for i don't think that was voluntary i think and i think this the is detailed, a real story the detailed in my investigative background that i have Right. The details Mm -hmm. of his story are very just too detailed. Like you wouldn't. And the fact that he didn't care people believed him or not shows me that it's true. Like he could care less. So. Right. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So he's in Dubai now and he said his next thing that he wants to do is go to Africa and get involved in aid work, building schools and hospitals. Um, He said the whole experience made him look at things differently. He said, I survived for a reason. And I think I have a bit more to offer now. I don't regret having gone through what I went through. I cherish every day. So that is the story of Ricky McGee. Very cool. Love it. <laughs> and again, you took a story with not a lot of detail and found all the details. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I had to look up a few sources, but this article was really, this was the, because it came from his mouth. Like he was talking to this woman, you know, what's yeah. her name? Chelsea, Chelsea Crevasse Crev- told, told the story really well. 
<laughs> oh my god, I love you. <laughs> oh, Kenny. <laughs> okay. So, New Hampshire is the first state to allow what on the road? Oh, marijuana. Mm. Always goes back to drugs with me for some reason. <laughs> it really does. Um, I was going to say those hoverboards, those ones that you can like, the kids like them. It's very you ride specific. On them. Uh, they are the first state to allow flying cars on the road. What? But excuse me. What? There aren't any flying cars, and, are there? Yes, there are no flying what? cars. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought you were ready to tell me otherwise. I'm like, shit, where have I been? What's happening? I know. I had to re- read through this whole article. So, although they don't exist today, uh, there's two companies that are pursuing it, but they just want to have it around just in case. And it's not to fly on the road, it's to drive on the road. Well, that's like, dumb. Guess, yeah, legally, it's like, stupid. Forehand flying cars couldn't go on the road. Now they can. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. It was a weird article. It's I called see. Though. I would like to tell you all that I was driving the other day and someone was riding a Segway. Do you guys know what that is? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Driving a Segway on the road. And I was on like, the road. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hey, 2002 called. They want their fucking technology back. Get off the you road, know sir. What I saw the other day. I t- I saw two segways, but they were they didn't have like the arm part. They were just the um the foot base part with the wheels. Isn't that just they, one of those? That's, that's the hoverboard. That's, that's a hoverboard. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they had that, and then they had iPads in their hands, like they were working, like they were going door to door on their. And I'm like, do not even Stop come to my that. house because I will funny. not answer my door. Uh, Get ready. Oh, They're coming. They're coming to a house near you. Oh, God, no. I sure hope not. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Nope. Oh, my God. Um, okay, well, this has been another fabulous episode of Sip, Survive, Repeat. If you guys want to tune in, we do this every Tuesday. Well, we release this every Tuesday. And Thursdays, a lot of times, we have our weird new shorts, so tune in for that. And see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.